Guess what, guys? It's episode 400 of the podcast, and you know what that means. Another Maldives Honeymoon episode. Today, we're not only going to talk about launching, but also some next-level mindset hacks that any entrepreneur can use to get ahead. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Do you want to be able to sync your listings that you create in Helium 10 to your Amazon account in one click, including being able to sync subject matter, which you're not able to even edit now in most listings on Amazon? You're going to want to use Helium 10 Listing Builder. Make sure to find out how to use Listing Builder by going to h10.me forward slash listing builder. That's h10.me forward slash listing builder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And I'm coming at you from under the world, under the water, at least. I think this is the first ever podcast maybe recorded in an underwater room. I'm in the Baraka room here at the Conrad Maldives for episode 400. Wanted to do something really big and special uh, for this episode. As you guys know, every 50 episodes, I try and film from the Maldives and call it the uh, Maldives Honeymoon uh, launch episodes. But, you know, over time, the what we call Maldives has kind of gotten bigger and, and just expanded the meaning. Again, this is not something that, you know, comes from Amazon. This is just something I made up as a word to, to describe like something super cool, like a big time effect. You know, in the past, we, we talked about honeymoon launches and, and the honeymoon period on Amazon. And, and how this got started was years ago, I discovered accidentally certain things were happening that put like the honeymoon period on steroids, right? And so I was like, okay, what, what should I call this? You know, it's not just the regular honeymoon period. So I was like, let me call this the Maldives honeymoon. And that's how it got started. Uh, first talked about episode 200 and then ever since then, 200, 250, 300, 350, and now 400. Uh, I come over here to the Maldives uh, on my own dime. Remember guys, uh, I don't, have Helium 10 pay for this. That would be ridiculous. Um, I pay for these myself uh, with points. And if you guys want to check out travel hacks on how I'm able to do this, how I'm able to stay in a $17,000 a night place. Um, Mr. Beast was just here last week. All right. In this very room, Paris Hilton stays here. This is like the crate, one of the top 10 most expensive rooms in the whole wide world. I'm not paying for this. Um, if you guys want to find out some of my travel hacks, make sure I did, a, I did an episode a little while back on travel hacks, so make sure to, to look that up. But anyways, I'm here in the Maldives, and we're going to talk a little bit about you know what's been working with launches, but not too much this episode. I'm going I'm to do a little bit different, and um, at the end of this episode, Jeff definitely going to be talking about what's been working with launches and what's been going on with uh, listing optimization and how the Amazon algorithm um, kind of reacts to different things in the listings and, and maybe validating or debunking certain theories. Lately, I've been doing a lot of testing on the Project X account. There's some new fields we've talked about previously in the podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit more this episode to make sure everything's still still working. Um, but with a lot of this episode, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be talking about like what, like a Maldives mindset, not just when it comes to launch, but in e-commerce. And it's important that we, first of all, get and then stay motivated in our e-commerce journey. So this is very important. We're also going to talk about how to turn your weaknesses into assets, right? Uh, we're going to talk about Amazon launches, as we always do on Maldives episodes. Uh, we're going to talk about the latest of how the Amazon algorithm views different parts of your listings, uh, how to set up yourself up for the best launch, uh, choosing the best launch keywords, 
and um, showing you some tests I've done just just in the past you know few few weeks here as well that we can talk about. All right, now the first thing is, does mindset even matter? You know, I've never been one of those like existential, haha, like uh, mind over matter and manifest this and that, like that kind of like touchy feely kind of person. But when I think about it, you know, things have happened, you know, in my e-commerce career that definitely can attribute to mindset. And, and here's another just real world experience. This is just a couple years ago. This is my son um, has. Uh, I think he was a sophomore in high school at this time now, but he was playing against a school called Chula Vista uh, Learning School, all right? Now, he ended that game, guys, with two points, four rebounds, and his team lost 47 to 18, all right? Pretty, pretty ridiculous, all right? Now, let's fast forward one year. He played against the same exact team, all right? So this is the same exact team, Chula Vista. Now he's a um, junior in high school, all right? Now, this game, guys, against the same exact team, he had 32 points, nine rebounds, and his team won 49 to 27. All right. So, so that begs the, the question, what changed? Uh, what was different? You know, he, he didn't get bigger. You know, he didn't get stronger. He actually stopped growing the, the same time as me when he was a sophomore. Um, but here's the, here's the thing that was different. He developed a love for basketball between his junior and senior years. He was just kind of growing through the motions you know, as it were before, like pretty much because I made, you know, I made my kids do sports because nowadays PE is kind of ridiculous and kids just are not athletic at all and don't have, have any sense of teamwork or anything. So I'm like, all right, you guys are going to play a one varsity sport. And so it was basketball. Uh, so he didn't really love it. Um, he didn't have a favorite team or anything, but then over that summer, he, he became like a fan of basketball on his own, he started watching the you know, Clippers. And then he would now all of a sudden, you know, be completely curious as to how they're doing, watching the you know newspaper every day, watching all their games, recording it, like obsessed with basketball. He developed a love for the game. Uh, we had a basketball court at my house. All of a sudden, without me telling him, he's playing out there every day. He totally had a good attitude about getting some personal training, but he, he just developed a love for the game. He wanted to be better, right? It was a mindset shift. His skills by itself, like he didn't all of a sudden have any more natural skills uh, in just that one year but all due to the way his mindset was he was able to you know go into becoming a, a scrub player to a 30 point player uh, at the high school level now you know since then he even got better on his senior year now he's graduated but still the point is that mindset matters so the question is you know how do we apply this to e-commerce you know can this be applied to e-commerce so again as i said i never was one of those touchy-feely persons but um, once I got older, I realized that I could definitely attribute a lot of successes that I had to the way I set myself up as far as my mind goes. And so I want to make sure that you guys have that same experience too. Now, in addition to my son's experience, we're going to be talking today about my own experiences from when I worked in the food industry, uh, when I was a nationally ranked sumo wrestler, even though I never had done even any sports, uh, in high school. Um, when I, you know, despite not even knowing how to dance, got over 30 million views on YouTube, uh, traveled the world doing masterclasses as a Zumba fitness instructor, again, without even knowing really how to dance. And then my Amazon and of course Helium 10 career that came out of nowhere. You know, my, my son beat the odds that were stacked against him. And I, time and again, despite not being, you know, hashtag blessed with innate special abilities, was able to crush the odds and achieve ridiculous things in life and in business, all right? So step number one, guys, is develop a passion and love for the game, all right? 
I talked about, you know, before how I, my son had developed a love for the game of basketball and transformed how he approached it. The, the sport, right? Now, when I first started getting interested in Amazon, I just obsessed over it. You know, I made myself love every aspect of it, especially things having to do with launch. I laser focused my studies on launching. You can see my first post there from 2017 when I was talking about having launched 25 products in three weeks. I even gave a shout out to Helium 10 there. That was almost a year before I worked for the company. I was a passionate user of the software. Summer of 2018, you could see uh, me in the Helium 10 members group now going off on people who are spreading misinformation. Um, now, I wasn't trying to get clients. I wasn't one of those people that you hate in the scene in the Facebook groups. Guys, never once did I get a client from Facebook post, you know, like you see some people do. All right. I was just passionate about things and I couldn't hold it in. Now, do you see who had the first like on that post right there that you see there? Yep. Manny Coates, uh, the founder of Helium 10. Now, shortly thereafter, you see a copy of a DM a private message that Manny sent me there on Facebook. Now I had DM'd Manny before because I was a fanboy, you know, on, on the pod, the original AMPM podcast and of Helium 10. And to be honest, he ghosted me. All right. He kept seeing my posts, but, but he kept seeing my posts and then he went to find me. He went to find me. All right. He apologized for not replying to me early. And then he said that they were looking for a product ambassador. And a few weeks later I was working for Helium 10. So there's a situation again in e-commerce now where I just had this mindset where I, I loved the game, all right? I loved everything about it, and my actions kind of like reflected that. And what happened because of that? I was kind of discovered by the founder of Helium 10, and you know, the rest is history as far as that goes. Now, uh, this picture, well, when you guys see this, uh, those of you uh, watching on YouTube, you know this is the Project X coffin shelf and egg tray. Now, now think about it. Um, do you think I was passionate about coffin shelves and egg trays when I first started doing this project, when we discovered those products? Of course not. You know, who, like who, who can be passionate about that kind of stuff, right? Um, but guess what, guys? I, I mean, like, not only was I not passionate about it, I hate eggs. Like, like, eggs make me sick. So, like, how would I ever be passionate about, a, like, a wooden egg tray? Like, didn't, didn't make any sense. I'm like, why in the world would somebody even want to display their eggs in their kitchen on a wooden tray? Like, how facetious is that? Like what, or not facetious, how, how pretentious is that, you know, for you to want to do that? I didn't get it. But guess what, guys? I became passionate about these things and I studied everything there was about them. Like, you know, who would buy a, a shelf shaped like a coffin? What are they interested in? Who would buy a tray for eggs and wanting to display it in their kitchen? What other things would they, uh, would they buy? What are their passions? You know, what are they interested in? I, made myself a student of that game. So it's super important to get passionate about what you are selling on Amazon or wherever you're selling. Now, the second part of the Maldives mindset is make sure to use your, your pre-existing assets, all right? Pre-existing assets. What, what do we mean by that? Well, going back to uh, my, my history, you know, I, I was doing public speaking in front of crowds since I was four years old. I barely turned four years old. Uh, I, now, I had never done a podcast or a webinar before, but I used that speaking ability experience um, to do that from, you know, in Helium 10 from day one. There you see in, in the original Helium 10 office, probably doing one of the first ever uh, serious sellers podcast. Um, you know, my son, he was six foot two in high school, which was, you know, fairly tall for his age, as you see there in the, the picture. So he used that, you know, as his advantage. You know, all of us have advantages, whether we know it or not. And it's important that we double down on it. So... What are you good at when it comes to e-commerce? I guarantee you're good at something. You know, are, are you good at numbers? 
Um, are you good at marketing? Do you have existing assets like a warehouse that maybe other people don't have? You know, like for example, me, I had a warehouse behind my house uh, from another business I used to run. So when I started selling on Amazon, I was able to do fulfilled by merchant in addition to fulfilled by Amazon. And that gave me a little leg up in my competition. Little things here, guys. I guarantee you guys have assets going for you. You guys have advantages over the competition that you personally have. Make sure you identify those and double down on it. Make sure that you're, uh, that you're using it. Uh, number three, we're going to take a little time on this. It's about turning your weaknesses into strengths. All right. This is like huge, huge, huge for me. Right. Um, I, I probably have more weaknesses than the average person, but the, the thing is I never let them uh, hinder me. You know, not only that, I actually turned them into some positives. For example, in Zumba fitness, like I told you, I was never a, a dancer. Uh, I was not a good, great dancer. You know, I was decent, but then I thought, you know, when I saw the, the master Zumba instructors doing classes, it was cool and all right, but I never felt that I could become that. Like when I watched it, it was just kind of like for the spectacle. Like I never got that feeling like, oh, this could be me one day, right? So then I realized, wait a minute, you know, people could relate to me more than these professional Zumba dancing instructors because I was just an average Joe, a uh, ex-sumo wrestler, you know, speaking of sumo. Uh, my body type was a disadvantage in sumo. I was tall, skinny back in the old days. But then I realized, hey, you know what? This is a weakness. Um, I have longer arms, though, you know, than most people, you know, who are short and stocky, right? So I can use this as an advantage to, like, keep, keep my opponents away from me or to grab their belt, which is important in sumo. Um, another, another thing. So, so there's the weaknesses so far. So number one, I wasn't a professional dancer. I was able to flip that into advantage in Zumba. Number two. I didn't have a typical sumo body. I was able to flip that and discover something that actually could become an asset. Number three, I, I don't have great organizational and prep skills. You know, not, not my thing. Now, that might sound like a problem for being a podcaster, right? Um, but no, I turned it to my advantage by making the motto. What is my motto over here on the podcast? Unscripted, unrehearsed, organic conversation. You know, this is not meant to be some professionally, professional sounding thing. You know, I put the focus of the episodes on the guest. And, you know, sometimes I stutter or whatever. It doesn't matter. I want people to kind of relate to me and to relate to my guests more than hearing some like super polished, you know, professional sounding, you know, person. Um, all of these things, these are weaknesses. Now, what weaknesses do you have though? You know, are, are you more of a people person instead of a numbers person? Um, I bet you got advantage over the typical analytical person with being able to understand your customer avatar most. Uh, you know, people at first, you know, didn't like how small the coffin shelf was. So let's talk about products there. The coffin shelf, there was a few reviews like, man, this is kind of small. Guess what? I turned that into a positive uh, by changing the bullet points and I made something to say, hey guys, um, this, unlike our competitors, you know, um, coffin shelves, this can actually does not take much space on the wall or on your shelf. So you can be able to fit your small trinkets in it. Same thing, the, the egg tray, um, people sometimes complained that it was a little bit too small, right? So on the egg tray, what did I do? I changed the bullet points and I changed an image and I said, hey, unlike our competitors, our, uh, our egg tray is so compact that it will actually fit into the refrigerator, uh, what is that called? Like a refrigerator egg holder, right? So there's two cases there where I was able to flip product negatives into positives, all right? Now, you know, guys, we, we all got weaknesses, but it's cliche to say, oh, don't let your weaknesses stop you. I want you guys to take it a step farther. 
Don't not only not let them stop you, but can you take some of your weaknesses and actually flip it and make it an asset? That's something that I would say 98% of people in the e-commerce space don't even think about. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, if something is seriously wrong with your product, like it sucks or you have a big defect, it's very rare that you can turn that into a, a positive. All right. I'm not saying you can do you can turn every single weakness or negative thing into a positive. That's definitely not the uh, the case. But even even in that situation, I think I actually did that once. There there was one um, we had done some kind of coffin shelf or some kind of shelf in that niche, and we launched it, and it was terrible. Like the um, the paint was dripping off of it. Uh, it, it was just really bad. Um, I couldn't sell it. So I was like, I'm not going to sell this on Amazon. But I was like, I got my money back from the warehouse or from the factory. What can I do with this? I put them up on Etsy as a bad batch, you know, bad paint batch, and sold them for like. $15 plus shipping instead of $30 like they were on Amazon. And I sold out of 200 units in probably three or four weeks. So even in the extreme situations, I was able to turn a negative into positive. But again, not every time are things going to uh, work out uh, that way. But again, try and flip the script when you can. Uh, the next step of getting in the Maldives mentality here is develop a healthy competitive spirit. All right, this is another one that I think is important. And I say healthy competitive spirit because there's unhealthy competitive spirit. Like if you if you get too competitive and get obsessed completely over things, you know, that that could actually be a hindrance. But um how how can you gamify things? I want you to ask yourself that. Can you gamify something? Now, when I worked for that food company, one of the things I had to do in the food company was schedule trucks. It was so mundane, such a ridiculous task for for me to to think that I was doing this. But I had no experience doing this. But but what I did was I was like, all right, how do I gamify this? I was like, I, be, it be, I became like mini obsessed with how many stops can I get out of these trucks every day? Like I had to schedule our semi trucks to go out to different places in LA and San Diego doing pickups, deliveries. I was like, how can I do it with Google Maps where I can get the most bang for our buck? You know, it, it didn't do anything for my salary or anything like that, but it was my way of staying motivated over a, a ridiculous, in my opinion, task. You know, I had a bad attitude about it at first, but when I gamified it and made it a challenge to myself, how many miles did I get out of those drivers today? You know, how many stops were we able to get out of it? It became like a fun task for me. Now, when I first started launching products on Amazon for clients, I dove into the analytics, you know, keyword tracker, Cerebro. I wanted to see how efficient I could make launches. Like, how could I get rank for the least amount of spend? You know, that, that's also how I tackle PPC. Now, remember that one game when my son scored 32 points in it? He got obsessed with his stats as well. You know, for that game, he actually realized he needed 30 points in order to win the scoring title for the whole league for that year. That was one of the last games of the year. So he's like, how many do I need to get until 32? As soon as he hit 32 after 30, he took himself out of the game. But again, he was interested in the stats. It was a game. It was a competition with him for himself. Now for podcasts at Helium 10, I'm like checking metrics every day. You know, we have four podcasts here the AMPM podcast, Serious Sellers podcast, and we have the German one and the Spanish. And I'm like looking in the metrics every day and, and checking out the engagement and seeing what countries we're, we're in. I, I'm, again, I'm gamifying it. Like I'm just obsessed with the stats and how we can do better. You know, for this is me being somebody who doesn't like numbers and doesn't like organization and things, but I've been able to get over that by trying to get obsessed over the stats and, and seeing if I can make it a competition, a mini competition with myself. Now, you know, th there's this book that, that helped me and my team at Helium 10 called The 4DX, Four Disciplines of Execution. Really great book if you're looking into like 
ideas on how you can gamify things for you and your um, team. Now, get competitive, guys, with your competition. You know, use Market Tracker, use Cerebro to see how you stack up with them, and then get obsessed to beat them in everything you can. So th these are some of the things that have helped me, and we can call this the, the Maldives mentality. Now, let's talk a little bit about Amazon launches, all right? Now, again, what are the steps of the Amazon launch Maldives honeymoon strategy that, you know, so-called Maldives honeymoon strategy? All right, the first step of what we've been talking about before in the uh, previous episodes of Maldives honeymoon launch strategy actually starts before you even have a product, all right? It's, and it's checking the title density, all right? Uh, if you want the best bang for your buck with your launch, um, you need to make sure that the keyword you're launching on, uh, almost nobody else has the, that keyword in the title from page one. All right. So, you know, you can do that from, you know, looking at Cerebro, looking at Magnet. Um, you can be able to see the title density for keywords. So this is, this is, you know, critical. Now, it doesn't mean that if, if there's a title density of like, you know, 40 or 30, that, oh my goodness, you know, you'll never get to page one in the history of your life. No, it, it just means that, that that is not the Maldives honeymoon, right? Maldives honeymoon is when you get more bang for your buck or like something that's next level. And again, if you are targeting a keyword that maybe only one or two or three listings on the entirety of page one have that exact keyword in phrase form in their listing or in their title, I should say, and you actually do have it, you're one of them, it's going to be a lot easier for you to get to a page one. Step number two is check the strength of the competition with Listing Analyzer and Cerebro. All right. Now, you know, with one click in Listing Analyzer, if I, if I have, uh, you know, multiple ASINs selected in Listing Analyzer, I'm going to be able, be able to see in a niche how strong or weak the competition is, how many of them uh, for the main keywords uh, are ranking high, you know, for it. How many top 10 keywords does the top competitors have? And what's the search volume of all of their top 10 keywords? You know, usually uh, you're not going to go want to go into a niche where the, of the top five or top 10 competitors, they're pretty much all on page one for all their keywords. It might be very difficult for you to launch there. Um, now, you know, if you see a niche where there's only a couple of products that are dominating with the keywords, that's when I usually try and get ex uh, excited uh, about, you know, launching a certain category. Uh, another thing is, hey, I, you got to identify step number three, identify your top five to 10 keywords to start. Now to do that, you know, you, you can do one click filters in Cerebro, you know, put all the top players in a niche, uh, all the ASINs, and then you put it right there in a the Cerebro and then hit the, the uh, keyword or the, the one click filter called opportunity keywords or top keywords. All right. So these are important because you want to see number one. Where are the keywords that most of the top players are getting their sales from? But then number two, find those opportunity keywords. Uh, again, these are one-click filters inside of Cerebro. You don't have to do fancy you know, filters in order to find these. It's one click and you'll find them. But the opportunity keywords are key sometimes because these are uh, keywords where maybe only one or two competitors are crushing it, but your other seven or eight main competitors, they don't, they're not, maybe they don't even have that in their in their listing, but at the very least, they are not on page one for it. You know, the reason why these are valuable is because it's going to be a lot easier for you to get that initial traction, initial ranking, if you're only competing with one or two of your main competitors. Now, to illustrate why this is important, you know, 
sometimes there might be keywords that's not completely hyper relevant to you. You know, like let's say um, there's a keyword like, um, I don't know, uh, coffin decor and you've got a coffin shelf. Now is coffin decor one of the top keywords that every single coffin shelf should be ranked for? No. One of the top keywords that every single coffin shelf should be ranked for is coffin shelf. You know, that's like if you're not ranked for coffin shelf and you are a coffin shelf, you're screwed, right? But coffin decor, it's kind of iffy. But there are some people maybe who are searching coffin decor and maybe they have in mind a coffin shelf. And let's say there's only two out of your top 10 competitors are on page one. It doesn't mean there's only two products on page one of coffin decor. There's probably a whole bunch of different coffin related products. But for those customers who typed in coffin decor, and were possibly in the back of their mind or their subconscious or whatever, thinking that they would want a coffin shelf. If you get on page one, you're now only one of three listings on page one with the exact product that a certain number of people are looking for. All right. So it's very important to find these opportunity keywords, one click filter in Cerebro guys, make sure that you're using it. Uh, step number four is understand how the Amazon algorithm works when it comes to listing optimization. All right, you know, the listing field uh, importance, all right? This has changed over the years, all right? Now, there's two aspects I wanna talk about. One is for indexing, right? So for indexing, that means getting searchable. This doesn't mean, get, this doesn't mean ranking, right? Some people get it mixed up and they confuse the two. But when we talk about indexing, that means are you searchable for a keyword? Maybe you're not ranking for it, but um, does Amazon relate you? Are you like one of the ones that Amazon has in its index for a certain keyword, right? So for indexing, the number one most important thing now or field is something that wasn't even on our list uh, a year ago because it didn't exist. And that is the special features uh, category, right? Or, or listing field. Number two is title, three subject matter, four is generic keywords. This is the artist formerly known as search terms, uh, five bullet points and six description. Um, now for ranking, Ranking means that you're visible in the search results, that you're one of the top seven pages. You know, usually Amazon only cho uh, shows seven pages of search results, you know, 300 to 350 listings about, and then the rest, you know, you can't even like go to page eight and page nine, et cetera, right? So when I say ranking, that means showing up in the top seven pages. Now, uh, and also what gives you the most juice for getting to page one, all right? So for the, for in this context, the ones that are most important, number one is title. Number two, subject matter. Number three, generic keywords. Number four, bullet points. Number five, special features. And number six, description. All right, so so I did some tests uh, on this, all right? USB streaming podcast PC microphone. This was a, a keyword for one of our Helium 10 microphones, and it was ranking in the 200s. Just by adding it to subject matter, it jumped to a peak of 103 within hours, it jumped up hundred spaces. It didn't, it's not gonna get me sales. It's not gonna get me to page one, but remember th this is just to prove what's important to the algorithm as far as ranking or indexing. This was something that obviously shows that the subject matter is important to ranking. Remember, the only way you can get subject matter in your listing nowadays, if you have Helium 10 and you have a diamond account, um, you're able to use listing builder and sync your subject matter, even if you don't see subject matter in your listing. Now on the right of this uh, screen that you're looking at, you're gonna see wooden egg holder countertop. That was a keyword. Now just by adding it to subject matter, again, it jumped immediately as well, all right? Now on the bottom left, you see special how special features, which is uh, what I call a super indexing field. It shows on the front end, 
All right, it shows on the front end almost like above the bullet points. Look at that. Right there, it's highlighted. Whatever I put in the back end special features, it actually shows in the front of a listing above the bullet points on our microphone listing. All right, super, super interesting that, but this actually shows you can't just keyword stuff this field, you know, like subject matter, search terms, generic keywords. You can throw whatever keywords you want, but you can't really do that with special features because it's going to show on the front of the page. Now, I've done um, a lot of, you know, testing on this special features, all right? Now, th this one just kind of came out of nowhere for me. You know, all of us usually has have trouble ranking for a keyword that we have in a listing, right? But with special features, on average, I can get any keyword I've tried to index in about a minute and a half, faster than anything I've seen. For example, you know, you might have a keyword that you actually have in your bullet points or you have in your description or you have in your generic keywords, but when you use Index Checker, for whatever reason, Amazon doesn't index you for it. You're not indexed, even though it's in your listing. Those keywords that I've had like that, I put it in special features, boom, 90 seconds later, I am indexing 100% of the time. All right, now, of course, I didn't try to do any like forbidden keywords or drug-related things or something like that, but all, all, all normal keywords that I thought I should have indexed for, I did once I put them into special features. Now, a couple other things that are important when list, with listing optimizations to make sure you've got your target keywords in phrase form. And, and yes, you sh should duplicate it in the back end. You know, I've tested that many times before where even though it's in the front end as far as you know, bullet points or something, once I put it into the back end in generic keywords or if I put it into subject matter, it, I will get a little bump by putting it there. Now, you shouldn't put it two times in one field. You know, like don't put it twice in search terms or twice in uh, subject matter. But if it's in the front end, you want a little bump, make sure that Amazon knows you're relevant, then yes, um, uh, it does still work to, to make sure that keyword is in the back end. Now, is PPC gonna play a big role in your launch outside of just your main keywords? Um, or maybe do you wanna use sponsor display or uh, product targeting ads from the get-go? Make sure your listing is optimized then for the main keywords of other top products, including some complementary products as opposed to just direct competitors. If you're optimized for five of their top sales generating keywords, your auto campaigns and product targeting campaigns will have more reach from day one. So for example, uh, if I'm launching a coffin shelf, of course I'm gonna have all my main coffin shelf keywords in my listing and I'm optimized for there. But maybe a complimentary product, you know, might be a coffin tray or a coffin egg tray or some gothic decor product that I know I have history that people are buying a coffin shelves with these products. I'm gonna take those products and I'm gonna get their top five keywords, like the ones that get them the most sales. You know, not everything. I'm not gonna go for their opportunity keywords. No, I'm only going for their top keywords, the ones that I know are generating sales. And I'm gonna get those somewhere in my listing in phrase form because then from day one, Amazon is gonna relate me to those products. And then if I start an auto campaign, broad campaigns, or product targeting campaigns, et cetera, it, Amazon is gonna be much more willing to show me for those products and keywords related to those products uh, as opposed to if my listing was not optimized in that way. Lastly, guys, don't forget to try and set up your canonical URL with your most important keywords um, or two. You can do that by putting five keywords followed by a dash, but if that doesn't work, you can open a case of Seller Central to get it updated, all right? Number uh, five in the Maldives honeymoon launch strategy, make sure to set up defensive ads or placements. You know, a lot of people set up defensive product targeting ads where they target their own products, especially if they have multiple products in a brand, totally uh, fine to do. 
But one other thing, you know, I had this idea recently and it was validated by Antonio, who was on the podcast a a couple months ago, is if you set up virtual bundles, this takes up huge real estate on the page. It also pushes all those product targeting ads way below. It pushes pushes even the frequently bought together all the way down. You can see for those of you watching on YouTube is collagen peptides um, listing. The, The product targeting, they only filled out two of them, but you don't even see without scrolling anymore the product targeting ads because of the virtual bundles that they have. And you can see the frequently bought together got pushed down below. Now, remember when you do virtual bundles, you know, this is completely free, all right? It's, you know, if somebody clicks on it and actually buys it, you are not getting charged PPC, all right? You're, you're not getting charged extra commissions in addition to what the regular commission is, no. So this is in, in effect better than even product targeting defensive ads because it, uh, it pushes everything else down, and if somebody actually makes a purchase to it or, or clicks on it to view your other products, you are not getting charged. So make sure, guys, if you have multiple products in a brand, set up virtual bundles for all of the products, like one-to-one, all of the products in the brand. It's going to take up a lot of real estate currently. You know, Maybe Amazon will change this in the future, but right now, uh, something to take advantage of. Uh, step number six in the Maldives honeymoon launch strategy is don't start your listing early. You know, Set the launch date in the future. Um, I don't even start, I don't even make my listing until I have my products on hand and it's on the way to Amazon. You know, that's just because I have my own warehouse so I can do that. But if you don't do that, make sure to set the launch date in the future so that you can preserve that honeymoon period. Uh, Next one, get sales from day one, right? So this is important. Whenever you do make your listing live, make sure you have aggressive PPC uh, going. Try and get sales from day one. If you're only doing FBA, that means keeping your listing closed until it's distributed. You know, uh, more are on hand you know, and available. Now you can do that in Seller Central, but if you have Helium 10, just go to your inventory heat maps and you'll see as soon as, you know, once, once you send your inventory to Amazon, day by day, you're gonna see how it distrib- distributes among the FC warehouses. And when you're confident you have enough distribution, you know, nationally, then that's when you'd want to go ahead and turn your listing on to make sure that everybody has like the same experience. Like for example, if you just send your inventory in, like let's say you're in Southern California and you send your inventory to a Southern California DC, well, it'll probably be available like the next day, right? But somebody in New York, when they go to your listing, they're gonna see like a crazy delivery day, probably like two weeks from now because Amazon still hasn't put it to the warehouses on the East Coast. So you don't wanna make your listing live until all, all your inventory is kind of distributed somewhat, you know, uh, nationally. All right. Last, you know, step guys launch with Amazon and Google PPC. All right. You know, I've talked about how I launched, you know, in episodes, uh, 350 and 301 where, you know, it's not doing search fine by, but I make sure that on my five to 10 most important keywords, I'm doing a super high bid. I'm, I'm checking it to make sure that I'm the first or second or third, uh, listing that comes up on that page. And then I set my product at a price that people cannot like afford to to, to overlook, right? So that's super important to set it at a price that even though you have no reviews or only have a couple of reviews that people are like, you know what, I'm going to take a a chance on this product because it is a ridiculous deal. You know, to do that, you have to put a sales price as opposed to like making your price less, or you could use a a really, uh, extensive coupon and then just be monitoring your sales day by day, looking at the CPR number in helium 10. If the CPR number for a keyword is, you know, 80 over eight days, I want to try and I'm monitoring my PPC daily, seeing if I can get eight or 10 orders a day 
for that, you know, uh, in PPC for that keyword. And then if I can do that over eight days, I know then that I'm going to have a really good chance of getting on page one for that. Keyword. All right. So some other tests I've been doing lately that are a little bit about launch and a little bit just about, you know, what's working. So there have been some theories going around um, that people say, you know, this Amazon death spiral that happens sometimes to older products where you can't seem to get to the top of page one. It's because your titles are over 150 characters, or maybe you need to move the keyword more to the beginning of the title instead of your brand. So what I did was in the coffin shelf, I actually changed the title to under 150 characters. And I took away Manny's Mysterious Oddities at the beginning. I, I moved it to the left a little bit and, or to the right. And then Coffin Shelf is now the first word that comes up. And so as you can see, there might have been a slight, I don't know, it's kind of debatable, but we were, we were ranking between 10 and 20 for it. And then for like three days, two or three days, it's like Amazon was like, hey, what happened here? When I, when I put Coffin Shelf in the title and, or into the beginning of the title, and then we were like between five and 10. But after that, it went like just two days later, it went back to normal. And then actually it's been going down to even worse, almost worse than before, you know, between 10 and 20. So no notable like permanent increase there by me making the title less than 150 characters, nor by making it at the beginning of the search phrase. Another uh, keyword that I had, um, coffin decor. It was not in the title, all right? So Coffin Decor was not in the title, and then I added it to the title, and um, yeah, it, it actually helped increase my ranking uh, a little bit before I was not even ranking sometimes, and I was kind of around the 100 uh, mark, but by adding it to the title, now I was consistently between like 50 and 75, and sometimes I even had peaks of being on page one for this keyword. So again, sometimes adding to your title, if you didn't have it in the title, does help you. Uh, another keyword was goth shelf. And I added that one to the title as well. Um, on uh, October 3rd, I did. And so I have some history here. You know, I was ranking, you know, kind of like on 39, 40, 33 before. And then once I added it to the title, uh, it put me into the top 25. Um, and there was kind of some Amazon search shuffle happening. It's going back and forth uh, a lot. But for the most part, I can see my ranking has increased since I added it to a title on that day. Now, there was a keyword, grunge room decor. I was not uh, really ranking for it. Uh, I added it to the subject matter, and it, it actually did not help my ranking. All right, so grunge room decor, if you try and put something that is probably not relevant, you know, so grunge room decor is not exactly coffin shelf material, just by putting it into one of your, you know, these special, um, you know, indexing fields like subject matter, it's not going to immediately get you ranking for, it, you know, without some more activity happening. I didn't do any search find buy or PPC sales for this keyword. So don't think that you can get ranked for semi non-relevant keywords just because you stick it in subject matter or search terms. Uh, that's what happened there. Another keyword, uh, coffin mirror. I added it to the subject matter at the beginning of October. And I actually was not ranking at all for, it. I was indexed for it, but was not ranking at all for a few days. I was ranking top 100 and then it kind of fell off. So one thing that yes, you know, you can, if, if there is a more relevant keyword, you know, coffin mirror might be more relevant to coffin shelf than grunge room decor. Amazon will kind of show you just randomly, you know, like, like kind of like give you a, a slight bump. But if you don't start getting traction on that keyword, 
during that time, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to stay ranking for that keyword. Uh, another keyword, this is an interesting one, shrinkage shelf. I Not only was I not ranking for this keyword, um, I was not even indexed for this keyword. I did not have this keyword anywhere in my listing. I added it to subject matter, right? I added it to subject matter. This is a 2000 search volume keyword. Nobody has it like in their title. And instantly, I, from the moment I put it into subject matter, um, there's just so few relevant relevant products to Trinket Shelf. Um, I was not only on page one, I got on top 10. This is an old listing, guys. Uh, this is an old Coffin Shelf listing. It's been around for, what, three years now? It has had me ranked in the top 10 to top 20 ever since I added it to the subject matter. I must be getting clicks and stuff for it. So very interesting. Um, if it's slim pickings, you know, that has to do with title density as well, that has a very low title density. I didn't even put it in my title, but just by putting it in subject matter, Amazon is showing me some kind of like Maldives love there. Um, last one is coffin shelves. I added it in the title. So this is kind of iffy. You know, I had coffin shelf in the title. What happens if I add coffin shelves to the title? And the answer is, you know, it didn't really help me, you know, too much. As a matter, it, it, it can almost be argued that it actually helped or hurt you know, some of my um, ranking on that. So there, there you have it, guys. You know, like I do a lot of testing on my Amazon listings so that you guys don't have to and to see what's working. If there's something you guys want me to test or some theories you want me to, you know, take a look at, let me know. I'll be happy to, you know, take a look and and see if I can do it without ruining our, our Project X listings. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. You know, I, I film here in the Maldives for kind of dramatic effect, you know, to, just to kind of like make it more noticeable. But the point is that, there, you know, you've heard of the Kobe Bryant mama mentality. Well, I like to call it Maldives mentality. That's how I want you guys approaching e-commerce and approaching your product launches. You know, as you learn from the first part of this episode, you know, that I talked about at Sell and Scale Summit is that, you know, there's different mindset things that you might be overlooking as an e-commerce person. Like you probably never thought about turning some of your weaknesses and some of your mistakes, not only not letting it stop you, but actually turning those things into assets. And, you know, maybe you didn't, Think too much about gamifying things to make it more interesting or make yourself more engaged. But I want you guys going back and listening to this episode again, taking down some notes. You don't have to implement every single thing in this episode, but maybe take a couple of things and ask yourself, what can you do and change the way you approach your business that might help you? I mean, the things I've accomplished, guys, is just ridiculous uh, considering where I came from. All right. It's not like, you know, I, I became a, a billionaire or some, you know, Bill Gates or something like that. And I don't have any crazy story like that. But you know, the fact that somebody who doesn't even know how to dance, you know, became YouTube influencer with 30 million views traveling the world for it, you know, it's it's ridiculous. You know, the fact that somebody who had never done a podcast and is is kind of like not that social, you know, has a, a podcast that's listened to over a hundred thousand times a month is ridiculous. All right. So how did I do those things? A lot of it was mindset and, and certain mental exercises that I put myself through. And I hope that you guys can Maybe do that a little bit too and get some success in what you're doing. And then last, lastly, we talked about the you know what's working nowadays with the Maldives honeymoon launch strategy. I want you guys to make sure that you are implementing these strategies uh, in your in your businesses and then keep sending me messages on you know how they've worked out for you. Love to hear it. And uh, hope you guys, if you ever come to the Maldives, Conrad Maldives right here is amazing. This is the Maraca. Um, maybe if you get to like seven or eight figures, if you're not a travel hacker like me, you can stay in this. You can stay in this place or you can start implementing some of my travel hack strategies that I gave in the previous episode and you can maybe stay here for free as well. But anyways, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode 400. Uh, I thank you all for your you know continued support. 
if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. And if you guys weren't listening, you know, there'd be no point to do this. But um, I hope you've enjoyed uh, these last 400 episodes. And here's to 400 more. See you guys later. Bye-bye.